This is Connected Nation, a podcast focused on all things broadband. From closing the digital divide to improving your internet speeds, we talk technology topics that impact all of us, our families, and our communities. On today's podcast, we focus on how to better prepare America's schools for handling a crisis such as the pandemic. We'll talk with leaders in the Utah Education Network about the work they did prior to 2020 that helped school districts across Utah pivot to remote learning during this critical time. And we'll explore what lessons they learned that other states can now leverage to help their students and teachers. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Connected Nation. I'm Jessica Denson, and today we're talking with Jim Stewart, who is the Chief Technology Officer for the Utah Education Network, and Jeff Egley, who serves as the Associate Director for Technical Services. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. Well, thank you, Jessica. It's nice to be with you again. Yes, thank you for the invitation. We're very excited to catch up with you both and see how things have gone over the last year. We know it's been a challenging time for education um, across the the U.S., um, for educators, rather, across the U.S., and for school districts. So, um, Jim, let's let's begin with you. And before we get into the focus of our story today, can you share a little bit with our audience what the Utah Education Network does? Certainly. uh, Really easy. We connect all the schools, both higher ed and public ed around the state, lots of our libraries, um, many healthcare facilities, and we provide connectivity, broadband connectivity to all those schools and between those schools and the district offices, and we connect them with the internet also. Uh, In addition, we've got a lot of applications that we procure and provide. We have a television station, and we also have a lot of IVC equipment out there, and and we do a lot with uh, Zoom and WebEx and IVC, so that that education learning environment, uh, we're doing a lot with. And and you were really doing a lot of that before 2020, correct? There was a, there's a strong focus on that. All of that uh, was pre-pandemic. Just something that we do. And and now there's really an understanding of um I know we're going to delve into the education side of it, but of telehealth and uh, the, the importance of libraries because of the pandemic because of the lack of access. Um were there some challenges on that sc- side of things for you guys? Well, I think that, uh, you know, you work in telehealth and you've been very popular the last year. And any of us that have had <laughs> doctor's appointments or, you know, had to had to interact with our physicians have appreciated that we don't have to go in all the time. And so there's been a lot of funding available. There's been a lot of demand and challenges in that area. We just brought on a new director in January of last year or February. And so he was only around for a few weeks before the pandemic hit and he's been very busy and his staff. Yeah. That's a ch- just coming on and then having that hit you right square in the face. That had to be very difficult. I can't imagine. Uh, what about your focus as the chief technology officer? That's a big title. What, what is your role within this framework of the Utah education network? Well, all I have to do is uh, make sure that we're operating. So I've got, uh, you know, I'm the tip of the spear for all operational things, but I'm also responsible for, Finding the direction, you know, what, what are we going to add as far as new services and, uh, you know, what are the things that perhaps we want to stop doing along the way? But, that you know, so everything technology uh, based is really my purview and, and what I'm responsible for. Um, finding the direction after this challenging time, that must that's that question has a whole new 
meaning, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think that uh, we talked last year and it was right after the pandemic started. Yeah. But, you know, finding yourself with all schools closed and nobody able to access all of this pent-up bandwidth that you have. So you can have all kinds of great resources, but if people can't access them, that's been a real challenge. Um, speaking of the last time that we, we you and I chatted, um, as you said, it was right after the pandemic had started, and you made a point that a lot of uh, E-rate dollars should shift to helping kids connect at home. Do you still really feel strongly about that? Um, have you seen some of that happen or some of that uh, change of focus when it comes to connectivity? Uh, first of all, yes, I still feel that that needs to happen to some extent. I think that we're struggling through that. Uh, Congress has been um, responsive in some ways. The FCC is uh, trying to figure this out, and we're all just trying to to work through that. They're calling it the homework gap, but just how do we take care of these students that are not uh, connected at home? Jeff, um, I'm going to turn to you now for a moment and give you the floor. Uh, your official title is Associate Director for Technical Services. And you shared a little bit of your bio, your, uh, bio with me, and it says you participate in the planning, implementation, and support of new broadband services throughout Utah and interactive video conferencing for distance education to Utah's public schools, colleges, universities, and libraries. If that's not square on the need that was in 2020, I don't know what is. So can you talk a little bit about your role in handling all of that? Um, what maybe were some challenges that you identified early on and long-term and maybe some opportunities? Sure. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, on the first part of that description, uh, a focus in the, the development and improvement of broadband services. And, and so uh, for the most part, UEN has connected its stakeholders with fiber around the around the state of Utah. We still do have some areas, uh, including the southeast four corners area of the Navajo Nation, where uh, I have a focus to uh, uh, develop those services out uh, uh, in that region to support those schools and those students. That that area as well was was heavily affected by the lack of access uh, uh, to broadband services when uh, the pandemic hit and, and students were sent home. And so there's been a real concerted effort uh, by the, uh, the school district in that uh, area, as well as by uh, UEN, as we focus on how to uh, connect and get those services in and benefit those students. Uh, uh, we were well staged when uh, students went home to start uh, connecting them for remote learning. We had some services in place, but uh, we uh, quickly expanded the service offerings that we could provide in, in terms of web conferencing to ensure that uh, our stakeholders were able to uh, continue to offer the classes, connect those students at home, and, and continue to teach and, and, uh, and, and benefit the, the student in this new uh, environment. And so we really were in a good position to, uh, to uh, support those students and, and to uh, jump in and, and provide services that benefit our stakeholders throughout the the state and and it's been extremely extremely busy in that uh, area. Uh, you mentioned the Navajo Nation. Um, on on the federal level, there is a lot of funding that is for tribal access. Uh, from your point of view, I, I don't expect you to answer about all federal funding, but uh, from your point of view, are there some unique challenges when it comes to trying to connect tribal areas that maybe are different from your typical rural area, or are they the same? 
No, ab absolutely. Uh, they are unique. So the uh, the project that we have underway right now uh, goes through two different uh, tribes, the, the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe, as well as the Navajo Nation. Uh, there are requirements in the uh, permitting process that are unique in this area. Uh, some apply specifically to the tribe. Uh, other, another portion pertains to the uh, Bureau of uh, Indian Affairs, the BIA. And so there are additional steps. There's additional complexity. Uh, there's a, a completely new sense of time you must have in mind on uh, doing these projects because they don't they don't fit uh, nicely within the, uh, the parameters that uh, ERA may uh, uh, provide. Uh, and so working you know working with uh, each of those those tribes and the community stakeholders uh, to move this along is is a, a constant uh, constant effort and it is unique. This is a high in the treetops type of project that uh, comes with some unique sense of uh, type of complexity and, and challenges. You mentioned that tribal was does have some unique challenges, but what about just rural in general? And uh, Utah is considered a, a big portion of it is a rural area. Is is that lend um, some unique challenges as well? It has. We, we fortunately have a great working relationship with uh, Utah service providers who take an active role in that as well as, as the permitting process uh, uh, commences to get into a, a new community and into a new school. Uh, we've worked through this over the years. And, and so, as I, I mentioned earlier, for the most part, we have now been able to extend uh, fiber-based broadband services into each of our uh, schools around the state. There are challenges uh, with the, the, uh, the West, as you know, so a large part of that uh, is uh, with the, the BLM, uh, Forest Service, so federal, federal management. Uh, there's also some under state management. And so uh, there are those complexities. We are also able to work uh, closely with uh, uh, our Department of Transportation, which uh, also helps in the process as we work with our providers to extend services into uh, into a, a school and, and into a community. So they are unique, uh, but I believe we have a, a great approach and a, and a good uh, uh, collaborative way that we're able to do that with both uh, counterpart agencies and with our providers. Could I just add something to that, Jessica? Yes, of course. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, thank you. When we first got into Ethernet back uh, almost two decades ago, it was the rural telcos that stepped up first to providing those Ethernet services. They've been very forward-thinking, and they've gone out. And, and I like to think that because we've put fiber-based services in these communities, that it's enabled them to bring fiber to those communities. But regardless of what our role was, those rural telcos have, have really been very forward-thinking, very aggressive in making sure that the fiber is available to their communities. And when the pandemic first hit, we reached out to them to uh, see if they would would make available to students who were not connected these these internet capabilities. And many of them did. And I think there were several thousand students that benefited from that for free services for several months. Uh, some of them had to curtail that. Others have continued that. But it's been a really great relationship with our rural telcos, and they've done an excellent job, as have our urban telcos. But, you know, since we're talking about rural, uh, just wanted to point out that we do have uh, – we're very fortunate with the carriers that we have in the rural areas. 
Do you think um, it's important to develop those partnerships and relationships and that other state leaders should really think that way across the country? Yes, absolutely. And it's been uh, really great for us because they they start looking out for us. It's education. They go out of their way to take care of us in education. And then it really does provide fiber and other services to those communities. And, and so businesses can come in and follow in behind that. And and so it's, everybody gets better because we're working together. Yeah, we at Connected Nation, we talk a lot about schools being um, anchor institutions or libraries. And then sometimes it offers opportunities to build out from there. Let's roll the clock back a little bit before the pandemic, before all, all of us have this new uh, normal. Uh, Connected Nation and Utah Education Network, uh, we have a history together since 2015. Uh, been conducting statewide school technology inventories, and the last report came out in January 2020, right before the pandemic. And I'll place a link to that uh, report in the description of this podcast, just for the benefit of our listeners. But you, that really set the stage for um, Utah to be able to pivot in a way that maybe other places could not or were not prepared to do. Um, I'd like to offer you both an opportunity to talk a little bit about why the inventory, why this school technology inventory was important, what you discovered along the way, and maybe how you've used it to set some goals. Um, Maybe we could start with you, Jim, and then pivot to you, Jeff. Oh, sure. That'd be great. Uh, Back in 2015, we had a, a committee that was working on digital teaching and learning, and we had the legislature that was putting a bunch of funding into that. And as part of that funding, they wanted to get an inventory and they asked UETN to make that inventory happen. And I think that it, we, from start to finish, it was about three months. And by the time we signed the contract with you, I think we had 14 weeks and we put that together and we got a hundred percent participation. It really is a survey of the hardware and the software that's out there and available to K-12. And that gave us that baseline. And that was important to have a baseline. And over the years, you know, we've done that. We've gone around that process twice more, and we've had 100% participation both times. And it's amazing that we we did that last or the fall of 2019, and then in uh, January, February, we finalized the report of 2020, and just came out right before the pandemic. But I've talked to the leaders at our uh, state uh, board of education, and they were able to take that information and quickly. Uh, understand where we had equipment, where we had software, hardware, and and how quickly they could move to implement this uh, online learning and move that to the home and, and out of the classroom. And I think it gave us a real advantage. And, and we were able to do in days and weeks what took others maybe that weren't quite as fortunate or as prepared months and longer to, to implement. And Jeff, from your point of view, how do you how did you see that and in real time? Because obviously you had to deal with the 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 technical side of it, um, hands on in a way, right? Right, right. Now, you know, to you know, to follow up with Jim, that baseline, this the, the inventory helps really on a local level as well as a state level make informed decisions. And so what's been nice because this is longitudinal data, we were able to see that baseline. We're able to see as that investment areas where there's gaps, those improvements come along. And so now as, as we look at the progress in the state, 
we've been able to witness how that investment has been made in the areas where the need and the gaps were the greatest. So uh, uh, fast forward to now and with the pandemic, the state was really well situated uh, with the devices students needed uh, to be able to send those students home with the applications and the solutions and, and ready to go. And so uh, when we have that inventory, it becomes a valuable resource, both on a local level with the, with the LEAs, see how they're situated, how their peers are situated, what are the trends they're seeing, as well as uh, legislators who can uh, look at this and, and be assured that uh, uh, each LEA has really made some tremendous progress and, and are meeting the needs of the students. And uh, that did situate us quite well when the, when the students went home. Jessica, it's really a forward. Go ahead. Yes. I, I have an example I'd like to share, if that's okay. And yeah. and that is that uh, part of what we track are number of uh, Wi-Fi hotspots, and and we're trying to figure out just exactly what um, metric to have there. But we know, you know, the, the Wi-Fi hotspots. We know the vendors. We, we've tracked that all along. And so last summer we had so, an opportunity to get some of these CARES dollars, and we put a significant amount of those dollars into upgrading the Wi-Fi. And I was just on a call yesterday. It was completely unrelated to this or to the Wi-Fi, but it was with an IT director, or I guess she's a teacher, actually. She's a, she's a director with UDOT, but she's a teacher in the Alpine School District. And she was telling us, uh, completely unsolicited, but just saying that that's the biggest improvement that she's seen in all the time that she's been teaching, just in technology, just that uplift of, of that, those Wi-Fi hotspots or uh, uh, access points that we're able to put in there, and so that's really gratifying to know that we, you know, had good data, made good decisions, and then implemented that, and it really is being used and, and is helpful to the students. Yeah, over the last year, I've talked to teachers and um, educators about this issue and how they're handling the tech side. And one of the frustrations I heard again and again was teachers having the kids there and then their Wi-Fi went down and not having good access. So the t kids would get frustrated because they couldn't stay logged in. And you can imagine teaching is already difficult. Um, and then so after a while, the kids are just like, I'm not going to even try logging on anymore. So yes, having that, that strong Wi-Fi access, those hotspots, that type of thing that can help the kids at, at least boost it is so important. I've heard that same thing over and over. Um, it, when the, you mentioned Jim before that, uh, we talked bef just as the pandemic was, was, uh, starting and you had said at the time, we're never, we've never faced this in our lifetimes. I think now everybody can see and understand this, what that truly meant, that quote. What do you think, and Jeff, I'd also like you to answer this, what do you think this is going to do for the future of education? Is it, I know I'm asking a huge question, but in your point of view, is it that we're always going to have a hybrid of education where there is, is technology going to be even more part of the classroom? How do you think that this experience is going to shape us moving forward? So first thing that when I think about this is I hope it gives all of us greater confidence because we were able to do some amazing things and respond quickly. And instead of it being something where we, uh, you know, 
tried to find every excuse why not. We just jumped right in and we got it done. And so I hope that 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 gives us confidence. I hope also, uh, and this is just me, uh, but I, I hope we don't go back to business as usual, to education as usual. I hope that there are these hybrid capabilities that we we use the technology in a better way. We continue to evolve in how we're using technology. And I hope that the technology really does support and is used to support the education process to uh, to really uplift and help the teachers to make the students' experiences better. Um, th- so we don't take away from any of those hands-on capabilities. We just realize that we can use the technology to enhance those experiences. And Jeff, uh, w- what would you say moving forward that you would like to see happen with education in the technology space? So it's an interesting discussion. So prior to the pandemic, we had a uh, a discussion already taking place about the importance of access. And so one of the drivers for the inventory is digital teaching and learning. Digital teaching and learning in today's society implies that students and teachers have access, and that access extends beyond the beyond the school. And so that was the discussion before the pandemic to ensure that these tools, these these devices that are going to students' hands, they can be used. You have the flipped classroom prior to the pandemic. They can be used and, and that, that that student has access where they need it. Fast forward to the pandemic, uh, I think the, the work uh, and that discussion has really uh, paid off. We still, we're very well connected state we still have work to do. And, and that really highlighted some of those uh, uh, gaps where, all right, we still have some, some access issues because I agree with Jim. We're going to be, I believe, moving forward in a, in a more hybrid approach. And it just reinformed the, the need that we always have to be focused on access and, and how do we improve that access and increase that access for the, for the, for the student. It's, it's, a, it's an important discussion and, and requirement for education today. Uh, I think that all of us at Connect Nation would echo that and applaud that statement. Um, there's like one thing that the pandemic has done is created a new understanding of why we must tackle this at all levels and how broadband, which I believe, Jim, you mentioned earlier, affects everything. Once you connect the kids, you've also are helping businesses, you're helping the family, you're, there's so many things that are connected to that. So um, just a couple of more questions, and I won't keep you both all day, although I could. <laughs> um, one, what would be a, a piece of advice or a takeaway from this last year that you would offer others in the education and technology space? Um, Jeff, why don't you take this one first? And then Jeff, Jim, you could jump in. Good question. Uh, I think the first thing I would I would say is referring back to the the inventory and the work involved to ensure that you understand and you're collecting and you're documenting uh, the work and the improvements that are taking place around the state. The inventory in this regard has really paid off. Uh, I think we're really anticipating this next inventory because such a massive effort took place in 2020 to even improve the technology further uh, to, uh, for for the benefit of students that uh, uh, were uh, at home or dealing uh, with unique hybrid uh, environments and so uh, I think I think it's it's do the work make sure 
once you're you're finished, you look back, you assess, you collect that data so that it can inform you moving moving forward. And Jim, what how would you answer that? What would be the one takeaway or piece of advice you would offer others in the education and technology space? That's uh, boy, that's such a tough question. But if I was, you know, this draws from lots of experience, I guess. But let's work together, technology and educators, and let's find a way to make sure that uh, technology has its place. And I think too often I've seen there's there's just not been a full understanding and embracing of the technology, and we've learned that that's critical at this point in time. So let's move forward. Let's embrace the technology. Let's work together. All right. I think that's a good statement to end on today. Um, I'd love to have you both back as things progress again and check in with you and see any new lessons or things that you've learned along the way, if you both are open to that. Certainly. If the, if we can contribute to the conversation, that'd be great. Yep, absolutely. Well, I thank you both for joining us. Again, my guests today were Jim Stewart, who is the Chief Technology Officer for the Utah Education Network, and Jeff Egley, who serves as the Associate Director for Technical Services. I'll provide links to the Utah Education Network, as well as the School Technology Inventory Report that we discussed in the description of this podcast. I'm Jessica Denson. Thanks for listening to Connected Nation. If you like our show and want to know more about us, head to ConnectedNation.org or look for the latest episodes of Connected Nation on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or Spotify.